0: Special counsel Jack Smith must be looking forward to 2023 because some of these bombshell revelations in the January 6th committee's final report and these deposition transcripts they've been dribbling out each day are just devastating for Donald Trump. Federal, state, and local prosecutors must be looking forward to their criminal investigations of the MAGA fraud congressman-elect George Santos in 2023. I mean, new lies have been uncovered. I'm not even sure it was possible to lie this much. I mean, Santos now also claims he went to Horace Mann prep school, that's a lie. He claims he went to business school in addition to Baruch College. Come on. That's a lie. He claims that not only was his mom in the Twin Towers on September 11th, but also his dad was in the towers on September 11th. Yet another lie. He claims that he survived a brain tumor. Another lie. And like the most despicable things to lie about. But the biggest lie that criminal prosecutors are going to be focused on is how Santos went from having no money to millions of dollars to loan his campaign for the midterm elections. And 2023, you see the theme here, Jordy? 2023 will not be kind To Kevin McCarthy. Kevin Mm -mm, McCarthy mm -mm. still doesn't have the votes to be the Speaker of the House. And the George Santos humiliating fraud fiasco is just highlighting yet again what a fraud and a coward and a traitor Kevin McCarthy is. If you don't have the spine to call out George, freaking biggest fraud in the world, Santos. You don't have the semblance of a spine to do anything, yet alone lead. He's not a leader, Kevin no, McCarthy. No, He stands for nothing. He falls for everything. And this spineless traitor, Kevin McCarthy, is just proving he's a proxy for people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, mm-hmm. who are calling for MAGA extremist purity tests to the Trump cult in the House of Representatives. And a federal judge in Washington, D.C. has cited the January 6th committee final report in a recent court order involving an insurrectionist criminal case. And there, the federal judge cites the findings by the January 6th committee for the proposition that Trump's communications at the ellipse on January 6th with insurrectionists were not lawful requests. In other words, Trump's requests were unlawful commands. To see the January 6th committee report make its way into these federal judicial rulings gives me great hope for 2023. And let me ask this I think rhetorical question: will 2023 be 2023 be the year? Donald Trump is finally held accountable. I am confident the answer will be yes. And. How do we know like how do we know Trump is such a desperate traitor at this specific moment? Well, he's just started bragging on social media about how he cowardly ran away from the January 6th committee subpoena. Like he's bragging that that is a win for him. Well, (laughs) special counsel Jack Smith would like a word. And a word that I would like is when I see Trump's full tax returns from 2015 to 2020, they get released on Friday. We've seen executive summaries from the House Ways and Means Committee. Now we will get to see the full returns, and I think there will be some bombshells in there. This is the Midas Touch podcast. You got Ben Micellis joined by the fan favorite, Jordy Mycellus, Brett Mycellus is away on vacation. Brett Mycellus taking a vacation. Ooh. It's hard to even put those words together and make Good sense for him. But Good for Brett Mycellus, he deserves that vacation. He definitely does. But the Midas Mighty deserves more of you, Jordy. Jordy, how are you doing today? <laughs>
1: I'm doing well, B. I'm excited. We haven't done this in a while when it was just you and I, so I'm really looking forward to diving deep in here with you, asking you some law questions throughout this. Just trying to stay up to date, man. I'm excited to be here with you in the Midas Mighty, and let's get into it.
0: Let's get into it. So let's start where I left off, which is Trump's full tax returns from 2015 to 2020 will get released on Friday. Already, some bombshells in what's been released thus far. I mean, Like We knew that Donald Trump didn't pay taxes, but the level of grift, the level of wealth distribution, him literally pillaging from working class, middle class, hardworking Americans. When you look at these years, 2015 to 2020, and you look at the federal income taxes paid, not only did Trump pay no federal income taxes during that period, but he received a refund of $3 million dollars over that period based on the fact that he requested a five and received a five million dollar refund in 2020. And when you deduct all the other taxes that he paid, which was never in a year more than four percent and usually like zero dollars or like seven hundred and fifty dollars. And so when you look at Trump, who says, I'm a big businessman, I look, a great businessman, really? In 2015, you claim you lost thirty one million dollars. In 2016, you claim you lost thirty two million dollars. In 2017, you claim you lost $12 million. In 2018 and 2019, that's when you claim all of a sudden you made 24, and then you made $4 million. In 2020, you claim you lost $4 million. You're not paying more than like $750 of income taxes in 2016 yeah. and 2017. And then you wonder- where does a George Santos come from? A George Santos is a reflection of this. And here's the bombshell that I am predicting tomorrow when the full returns are released, that the 130000 ish payoff, I guess I'm saying ish because George Santos is, <laughs> uh, I, I got the ish in my mind, but the $130,000 payoff that Donald Trump paid to uh, Stormy Daniels, I think we know the rumor that that was taken by Trump as a deduction, that the unlawful payoff was taken as an expense, as a deduction. I think we're going to see that in the returns. We'll see if my prediction comes true. But remember, that's one of the things that the Manhattan District Attorney's Office is looking at as well. And people were saying, well, one of the things that they were looking at now that they successfully prosecuted the Trump Organization One of the first things they're looking at is in the prosecution, the potential prosecution of Donald Trump is the Stormy Daniels situation. And we're like, well, why are you focused there versus all the other fraud that he engaged in in the larger fraudulent valuation scheme that New York Attorney General Letitia James is focused on? But I think it's going to be squarely there. It's a slam dunk. It was an unlawful payment to her to begin with and then to claim it as a deduction it's like an automatic w for the manhattan district attorney's office so but george feels, feels he so crazy.
1: on the nose that it would that he would do that that he would pay it off and have it be a deduction for himself that he would just keep criming as they say it's so
0: trumpian it's so him it's so trumpian but there is the broader narrative right like how george santos he lies about everything Well, we literally had someone who – and he still is the cult leader of the Republican Party. And the message that's sent, the message that's sent is that just lie about everything. I think it also obviously sends all these terrible messages to kids. As well. I mean, look, it sends terrible messages to everyone that you have someone like Trump, who's a traitor, who's a fascist. We can go down that line of reasoning, obviously. But like the things I want to focus on, too, you think about it, Jordy, because the George Santos asked the whole George Santos saga. Mm is deeply personal mm. to us, one, as Americans, two people who support the truth and our democracy. Yes. But that is the congressional district where I live, where we grew up. Where we in- grew up. Where we grew
1: up, Ben. Ben, Ben, Brett said this last time. Sorry to interrupt your flow here. But you know what? I think he's right. I think we got to move you back home. You could sleep in the basement. You'll be fine. You can take up your own room where, where you grew up in and slept in. And you got to run against Santos, man, because this guy is unhinged. He's a lunatic, and he doesn't—he doesn't represent our town. This is insane,
0: Jordy. I know you and Brett want me to run for Congress, but let me explain to you what would happen if I did that. <laughs> okay, if I would did if I did that, and I love you, Jordy, but you, you'd be one hundred percent on your own right now. And don't get me wrong, I think you are the fan favorite, regardless, but. <laughs> I, 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 think some of the direction is that, these, are you saying I can't do your legal
1: breakdowns and your legal analysis? Is that what you're trying to say? Because I would agree with you on that. I would but I'll 100% tell you, agree you know, you. and
0: I don't want to, I don't want to digress here, but there was a moment in my life where, when I went to George Washington undergrad and I went to Georgetown law, I interned for the Congress member, Steve Israel. Right. That's Steve Israel's district. That's Santos one. Uh, so I was an intern in 2003, 2004. True. That, that's not a Santos. You can go look it up. I had my car. I gave tours of the Capitol building, was one of the favorite parts of my job when I worked for Congressman Steve Israel. But the second and third congressional district kind of merged and became one congressional uh, district. But then Tom Swazi ran, and Swazi was the uh, Democratic Congress member. He then challenged Kathy Hochul, which allowed Santos to come in. The seat was left open. Wow. And then it was Santos for the as a MAGA Republican extremist against Zimmerman. But one of the points that we've we've made privately that I think it's important to share publicly, though, is the lies that Santos told yes. hit upon very sensitive. Heart-wrenching things and very deeply personal things for people who grew up in the third congressional district. It may seem obvious, or it may not seem obvious, but in the third congressional district, there is a large Jewish population. You know, the this probably more than the majority, probably more than half of the congressional district yeah. is probably Jewish. And so, when he lies and says that he's Jewish and he's half Catholic, he's trying to appeal to the voters by lying, and he's trying to get a certain type of vote by lying about his background. When he talks about having family members who were survivors of Mm 9-11, I remember sitting in Long Island, where I grew up, in my high school class, on September 11th, hearing the loudspeaker, where they would call people into the room to either let you know that your family member was okay or that your family member was not okay on September 11th. And Santos is two or three years younger than me. He's right around my age. And so that experience of being, I I remember exactly where I was. Um, Don't ask me to speak Italian, but I was in my (laughs) Italian class that day when when they made the announcement. And then throughout the day, we just sat there in stunned silence on that day that will forever be etched in our hearts and and, and, and as it's the most devastating day in the history of our country. And he lies about that day and not just saying now it wasn't just that his mother was in the South Tower, which is a lie. He claims that 9-11 claimed his mother's life. And he goes that his his mother and some of it, he said his mother survived and others, he said his mother died on 9-11. And then he did a GoFundMe for his mother's uh, funeral expenses in 2016. And then we also learn he claims that his father uh, was in the towers as well on 9-11. So like pulling at the heartstrings and then he claims he had a brain, the new lies Claims he had a brain tumor that he survived. He claimed that four employees who worked for him were victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting. He claims that he was involved in private equity. And then when you ask him to kind of like explain like what it is, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like capital raises. You know, it's like you have LPs and GPs and it's like, OK, you have no clue. What <laughs> like when, when he tried to explain it, it was like completely, utterly insane. But. I do want to say, and this I would never thought I would say these words, but did you see the Tulsi Gabbard interview on Fox?
1: My goodness, of she, course he I saw that interview.
0: Did a very good job. Now she has her own reasons, you know, for it. it, it it's very uh, agenda-driven. There, I, look, I think what they realize is that this guy. Um, there's a lot more to drop and him staying in because Kevin McCarthy wants his vote. And I guess this is just who the MAGA Republican Party is. I I think Murdoch's like, okay, you do realize that what they're next going to discover is all of his financial dealings, all of his financial chicanery. How'd he come into all of this money? Tulsi Gabbard didn't ask the money question. Literally, The million-dollar question she did not ask, which is, how did you get this money? But here's what I want to play. There's a clip where Tulsi Gabbard says, these are blatant lies, and it draws into question how your constituents and the American people can believe anything you may say on the floor of the House. Salty, can you play that clip?
2: The results that people are looking for are called into question when you tell... Blatant lies, not embellishments. And this is this is, I think, one of the biggest concerns, Congressman elect, is that you don't really seem to be taking this seriously. You've apologized, you said you've made mistakes, but you've outright lied. A lie is not an embellishment on a resume. You said you worked at Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, but they've said we've got no record of this guy working for us. You've said you've gone to and graduated from these universities, but they've said, well, we've got no record of that. These are blatant lies, and it calls into question how your constituents and the American people can believe anything that you may say when you are standing on the floor of the House of Representatives, supposedly fighting for them. That's the real issue here. Well, look, I,
3: and I, I agree with what you're saying. And as I stated, and I continue, we can debate my my resume and how I worked with firms such as it, Goldman. Is it debatable very, no, or is it just false? No, it's debatable. It's very just debatable. False? I no. I, no, it's not false at all. It's, it's debatable. I can, I can sit down and explain to you what you can do in private equity, in, in capital intro, via servicing limited partners and general partners. And we can have this discussion that's going to go way above the American people's head. But that's not what I campaigned on. I campaigned on delivering results wow. for the American people by, by lowering inflation. I can sit down and if you want to have that discussion, I'd be glad to, Tulsi, to explain that to you C- and make sure that we, we, we settle the score.
2: That this is not about settling scores, and I think you just you just kind of highlighted I think my concern and the concern that people at home have. You're saying that this discussion will go way above the heads of the American people, basically insulting they're so not only are you now that's backtracking not, that's not on these what I'm lies saying. that I, you've told b- but, Tosi, but you're saying that th- you can't explain it saying. in a way that your constituents would actually be able to understand i can explain it in a way if you give me if debatable. you give me the time i
3: can easily give the uh, if you give me the time i can easily explain it for you as as in when investors are looking for capital and i'm sitting there doing due diligence on the deci- on the appetite and what they're looking for
0: Via servicing, when I do the investors (laughs) via servicing. It feels like
1: a kid who came to present like a work assignment and didn't do any of the work and then just starts using buzzwords.
0: We do the via the servicing of the capital raise. If we do the due diligence, you will see that the capital (laughs) connections with the Goldman Sachs. And by the way, you you go back and you look at just some of his previous posts that he's made. There's some posts that he does, by the way, that I'm not even going to show. Because no, they are so despicably racist and just disgusting that I', I made the policy. I said, as much as I want to expose him for doing this, I can't even repost what he, the type of post that he would do about uh, President Obama and Michelle Obama, the former first lady. But one of the posts that he does is he goes, by all in caps, just like the way Trump would do it. Biden is a pathological liar, all in caps. And doesn't that just about sum up who the MAGA Republican Party is? It's all projection, Jay. It's all
1: 1,000. It's a trickle down. We say trickle down of hate on the show, or at least I like to say that term, but it's really just a trickle down of incompetence. Like that's all they're teaching each one. And every member of that party is just who can be, who could out incompetent the next person, because then we're going to give that person the committee job. It's unbelievable.
0: So now though, federal prosecutors, state and local prosecutors are all in the mix good. You have good. the Nassau County District Attorney. Nassau County is the county in New York where the third congressional district is, again, where Jordy, myself, and Brett grew up. The district attorney, by the way, is a uh, Republican, um, and she says, her name is Ann Donnelly, and she says, quote, the numerous fabrications and inconsistencies associated with congressman Alex Santos are nothing short of stunning. I would say that's the understatement of the day. The Fed out of the Eastern District of New York, that's the federal jurisdiction by Brooklyn, they are currently investigating as well. And what they're going to laser focus on is not just the lies, um, but the disclosures that he made on his congressional forms, because that's, if you lie on your federal forms that you're filing, that's a crime. Mm -hmm. But more concerningly, even than that is, was... uh, A third party or multiple third parties or even foreign influence injecting lots of money into his, this business that just pops up for like a very short period of time. By the way, the business that's called like Devolder Holdings or something, the reason that it purportedly went out of business, a million dollar business that just pops up out of nowhere in 2022, he goes, you know, my accountant just forgot to fill out the forms. He blames his accountant for not filling out the forms to keep the business going. But where did the money come from? Show me the money. And that is what we all need to be laser focused on. But you know who's not laser focused on it? And by the way, the reason I give Tulsi Gabbard credit there is because, look, she called it out and there are some Republicans who are calling it out, but not at the leadership level you got marjorie taylor green who's completely defending him and you got <laughs> kevin McCarthy, and, and you got Ke- you know i think she said that oh you know people are being too hard on him or they're nitpicking at him oh and then you God. have kevin mccarthy as well because all he cares about like he had there's another clip where tulsi gabbard says like have you no shame And the answer is no, they have no shame. No, not even a threshold of shame. But Kevin McCarthy just shows what a coward, traitor he is. Because if you want to be a leader, Mm -hmm. you want to use the words leader. By the way, I think if Kevin McCarthy, I'm not trying to give him advice. I'm just letting, this is just real, like set aside Democrat, Republican. If you're a leader, and you say, look, my corporation, my entity, my nonprofit, my, what I stand for is there could be, I don't want frauds. I don't want fraud, loser, liars like Santos, and I will not stand for it. They do not have our support. I am calling for the resignation. People would, sup- would look to you as a leader. It may be a tough thing to do, Although, here with Santos, I think it's literally the easiest thing to do. But at the most basic threshold, if you can't look at Santos and say, nope, as a leader, I won't stand for that, it's the equivalent, it's the incompetence, traitorous equivalent, I suppose, Mm -hmm. of looking at an insurrection and going insurrection bad. And again, Throw away political party, because this shouldn't be political. Right. Insurrection, weird QAnon, cult behavior, bad. Just say bad. No. Kevin McCarthy has to run to Mar-a-Lago and literally lick Donald Trump's toes? <laughs> I mean, are you kidding? Me? You can't say that's bad. You can't go, Santos, bad. You can't go insurrection bad. You can't go election denialism bad. You can't go QAnon bad. And when you can't do those things, not only does it make you not a leader, but it also allows people like Marjorie Taylor Greene Mm -hmm. to come in and fill that void. And even if you were to become the speaker, you don't have any authority you are beholden now in a situation where Marjorie Taylor Green is calling the shots And in many ways she's out there letting people know. There's a level of arrogance now coming yeah. from Marjorie Taylor Green of like this is my party now mm-hmm. you know and look people like Matt Gates and Lauren Bobert this is this whole weird, kind of civil war-ish in the Republican Party. You got Gates and Boebert who were like, McCarthy's a sellout. What are you doing, Marjorie Taylor Greene? And you got Marjorie Taylor Greene saying, I I run this now. Kevin McCarthy is just a proxy. And you got the American people saying, what the hell? What the hell is it? We're trying to focus on healthcare. We're trying to focus on education. We're trying to focus on protecting a woman's freedom over a body. We're trying to focus on protecting people who loved each other, who love each other, their right to get married. We're focusing on reducing prescription drug prices. We're focused on infrastructure. And we got to deal with some extremist Marjorie Taylor Greene out there saying the most hateful stuff. We got to deal with people who are going to these conventions that say, we're all domestic terrorists and doing these weird performative reenactments where you call insurrectionists political prisoners and kiss their hands as they're in these fake jail cells. You got Americans saying, what the heck is this? It's why we do what we do here on the Midas Touch Network because what I like to say, what I know you like to say, Jordy, is let's not view this through the lens of even Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, Because you call these radical extremist MAGA's conservative. They're the least conservative people. It drives me crazy. Let's stop with the labels and evaluate conduct. If somebody like Santos worked in a business or entity that you were involved in. Right. Or would that be someone who you would want to invite over to your house? same thing you ask about a Kevin McCarthy. You ask about a Marjorie Taylor Greene. You ask about a Lauren Boebert. And when the media creates this dichotomy, oh, liberal, conservative, he's a very conservative, very conservative. If you're an election denier, if you want to spread COVID by coughing on people and just (laughs) spreading disinformation, if, if, if you support insurrection, that's very right wing very conservative that was just an extremist fascist traitor like just call call it out it's an extremist fascist traitor and when we talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene being utterly arrogant here i want to i want to talk about some of what the things that she posted today and she timed this with what Donald Trump posted the other day and this is kind of thing that they're advancing is is this we need to not support a Republican Party if a Republican Party does not support the cult of Donald Trump. And that's been a major message that's been repeated over and over again on social media by Trump recently and by Marjorie Greene. is that you have to pass this right-wing purity test. So this is what she said. She goes, I have a vision. Think about that. She starts with that. It's like, you have a vision? Your vision is fascism. Like, let's just start. Like This is what I mean by the arrogance. I have a vision of a Republican party that truly serves the American people and our many great needs. Our House GOP conference all suffered together so much in the past two years. And many House Republicans have changed and moved to the right. But the base doesn't know yet. The Senate Republicans are another story. And the 18 senators that voted for the Democrats' 1700000000000 trillion omni-monster are the uni-party. 36% of Republican senators, while only 4% of House Republicans voted for it. Two of them are traitors. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, think about that. She's calling Liz Cheney and Adam oh Kinzinger goodness. traitors. At Kinzinger responded, he goes, if a traitor is calling me that, I wear it as a badge of honor. She goes on to say, the base will no longer tolerate the uni party Republicans, which are viewed as America last. And I have been making that clear inside our conference while the base, by the way, she's talking about QAnon here, right? She's talking about right wing extremists, making it loud and clear on the outside. By the way, in some of those Jan 6 transcripts that were mm-hmm. released, Cassidy Hutchinson talks about when Marjorie Taylor Greene would come to the White House, she would be bragging to Donald Trump about all her QAnon supporters who would be showing up on January 6th. So there's, we did a video on that. There's that direct link. I'll go on and keep saying she goes, this must continue in order to keep our conference moving right. It should also be pointed out Republicans won the House majority, but not the Senate. That's because many House Republicans fought Biden and the Democrats agenda, while the McConnell Republicans and Senator helped pass Biden's agenda. Voting records and election results are proof. I mean, it's utterly an incorrect analysis there. Um, like A completely incorrect analysis there. Um, but also note, what do you stand for? You fought against it. You, you don't stand for a thing <laughs> at, at, at all. Then it goes on to say another story the base doesn't know. Many House Republicans learned for the first time after January 6th what it's like not to have support from K Street and big corporations because they refused to donate for much of the past two years. This was a good lesson in many ways because while Republicans were tossed to the side by K Street and big corporate because of all the woke agenda BS and insurrection lies, just pause there, that she's saying that The insur that calling out the insurrection is part of a woke agenda. Just just think about that for a moment. Many House Republicans learned they don't need K Street and big corporate like they need them. We won the house after being shunned by them. Now, K Street and big corporate are trickling back only because House R's take the majority in January. The most important thing: the base. Again, she keeps the going. Base,
1: space. such a dog. is to make
0: sure your support hmm. and voice to the House Republicans is stronger than K Street lobbyists and big corporate. D.C. is open and the base should start doing citizen lobbying because it's the people's house. Call ahead to members' office, make an appointment and plan a trip. Bring your friends. Be professional, be polite and enjoy it. Make the Republican Party American's party. When I say the arrogance, she is speaking in the tone that she is the leader of the Republican Party.
1: Well, well, Ben... Well, Ben, she is. She is. She is the face of the Republican Party. And that's what we've been saying on the show for quite some time. And that's why it's important that everyone pays attention here. Marjorie Taylor Greene is the face of this modern-day Republican Party. And it just scared the absolute crap out of you. But you know what? You can't back away. You have to stay in this fight because if not, you're going to cede power to people like Marjorie Taylor Greene.
0: And Trump's post that he did on a social media platform where he posts this website. I don't want to name what it is, but it's all this right-wing propaganda. And the article was called The Coming Split. And what The Coming Split article basically was is if you don't support Donald Trump, then you're not a real Republican. And do not support the RNC, do not support Republicans unless you support the cult of Trump. And notice the language that she has there, calling out people like Mitch McConnell and 18 other senators who, what they did was just keep the government running. And the common theme that we've talked about a lot on the podcast has been Occam's razor, right? The simplest explanation is sometimes the actual answer. People search for all of these clues and it's like, well, why would they want to shut down the government the same reason they wanted in its direction. They, they want to destroy America. They are not working on behalf of Americans. They are working against our Constitution. Heck, they've said it loudly and publicly, and their leaders called for the termination of the Constitution. People who say they're strict constitutional constructionists. Mm-hmm. Every word has a meaning and we must give it its original intent based on what our founders believed back in the 18th century. That's what we need to focus on. And we're such strict constructionalists that we just think you should terminate the document and we should just embrace fascism. But again, Jay, Mm. common theme of this episode, take away the labels for a second. Evaluate the conduct. There's nothing more extreme and radical and violent and not conservative. Conservative, the word means conserving institutions.
1: Ben, you and I are way more conservative than a person like a Marjorie Taylor Greene.
0: At least I want to conserve our constitution. Right? I want to conserve. I can look. I could be critical of actions taken by the FBI. But I still want to preserve the existence of it. That's, yep.
1: That's a great way. <laughs> to put Republicans it. are calling for the. It.
0: And by the way, I don't think we should all just be like everything the FBI does is great. Always trust yeah. the FBI. Always trust the department. No, we can look critically. But when there is a lawful search warrant executed at Mar-a-Lago, and it turns out that. They found thousands of records, including top secret, sensitive, classified records that were stolen. The response by Republicans to that is we need to abolish laws on espionage. What? Because of that, we need to abolish the FBI. We need to abolish the Department of Justice. And Donald Trump's like, the FBI in 2020 undermined me and they were Democrats. Okay, let's take away the labels. You appointed Christopher Ray. You appointed him. He's actually a Republican. All of the people you're criticizing are people you appointed, including Bill Barr. <laughs> all these people pretty much covered up all of your criminality. Right? They Mm -hmm. covered up all his criminality, except when he said, you know what, that what really happened is there's secret satellite bunkers in Italy, which are beaming signals to Venezuela where Hugo Chavez, don't forget Hugo Chavez, where he was, he changed algorithms. So then the frequency was sent to Dominion, and then Dominion used the algorithm. To change the votes from Trump to Biden. Well, what about the paper belts? Bamboo. <laughs> <It's> bamboo <laughs> from China. You know, there. Oh, no. oh, there.
1: No. I wish you were kidding too. I laugh because I like I laugh because it's a it's a, actually it's a nervous laughter because there's someone who has that position as a former president who acts this way. It's it's a nervous laughter, but it really, there's nothing funny about the situation because of how just true everything you're saying is, is true and it should scare everybody.
0: And when you read the transcripts too, though, of like competent people like Pat Cipollone, the former White House top lawyer and Eric Hirschman. And you look at people like Mark Short, the former chief of staff to Pence and Greg Jacob, the former general counsel, though, like I get there's some people who will push back on me when I mention them and they'll be like, yeah, but they had to kind of be there and keep a level head because Trump was just so, you know, the madness and was so fascistic that those people keeping order was important. Like I get it, but sometimes they're asked these questions in the depositions like, like, well, well, like, what do you think about that? like happening, you know, and they would be like, well, you know, it was definitely a little concerned by it. It's like, we'll be a little concerned. <laughs> like this is sheer madness taking place. And again, you take away the labels, you give the scenario I just gave you, which was one of the things that they alleged actually happening. That was something that Sidney Powell and Mike Flynn were actually pushing and you have to reflect on it. And, and, and it's, a, again, a common message that we continue to make here on the, on the Midas Touch podcast, on the Midas Touch network, which is for, for far too long, the MAGA extremists will just say things, right? Like these left-wing Marxists. It's like Marxists. What are you talking about? Because I believe that when someone's like on the verge of death, they should get life-saving care. That's that's a that's a Marxist idea, because I believe that someone who works really hard and puts in a hard day's labor should get paid more than a minimum wage. They should be able to have enough money to buy themselves a house and take care of their family, and they should have good working conditions. That's that's a that's, Marxist. That's Marxist. Man, Marxist. But the large media networks allow that to happen because they don't push back. They just go liberal, conservative, da, 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 da. but that's where we fight back together now. That's why 2023, it's a whole new ball game, which is why I'm glad. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel if you haven't subscribed yet, because we're growing bigger than the large media network spreading the truth. There's a reason more people watch. Us on YouTube, more people watch these videos. It's like 60 to 70 million views a month or something like that. More people are watching this than watching large media because we're speaking the truth to power. We're just saying it like it is. You know, sometimes you and I joke, Jordy. I'm like, okay, did, I won't mention any specific media by name, but like the (laughs) New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN. Okay, I mentioned them by name. I'm like, like, just use the word. It's called fascism. Use the word; it's called being a traitor. Use the word; it's called being an extremist, and call it out. And again, Jordy, when we talk about the labels, Democrat, Republican, like I know you've been reading a lot of these new January sixth committee depositions, and oh, you've been goodness. reading the the report. You see, you see that what Trump wanted to do, and again, take away political like the parties. Recession. The procession. Oh, my goodness. The procession is that, you know, I I had always been, you know, I try to make the connection because Trump talked about 10,000 National Guard troops. Yet Christopher Miller, the acting secretary of defense, when he was deposed by the January 6th committee, said there was never any order for 10,000 National Guard troops. Um Miller went on Hannity and like lied about that and said that there that there was, but that ten thousand there, there wasn't, to be clear. Trump never ordered the National Guard, and in fact, we know from people like uh, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan that when they asked for the National Guard, Christopher Miller like ignored the calls on January 6th. We also know there's a January 4th memorandum from the acting Secretary of Defense, Christopher Miller, saying if the Guard does get involved, they can't use weapons, they can't do anything. Like What a weird memo to send to the Secretary of the Army. But that number, Jay, 10,000. Very specific. When, was etched in my mind, 10,000, 10,000. And then we see in the report where, because everything Trump projects is always an admission of his guilt. So we turn to the report and Trump mentions, and let's just read it right here. It's called, this section is chapter 6.14. It's called, Well, I Should Walk With The People. And it says, President Trump wanted to personally accompany his supporters on the march from the Ellipse to the U.S. Capitol during a January 4th meeting with staffers and event organizer Katrina Pearson. President Trump emphasized his desires to march with his supporters. Well, I should walk with the people, Pearson recalled President Trump saying, though Pearson said that she did not take him, quote, seriously, she knew that he would absolutely want to be with the people. Pearson pointed out that the President Trump, quote, did the drive by the first time and the flyover a second time. And then it goes on to say a reference to the November and December 2020 protests in Washington, D.C. During these previous events, President Trump made cameo appearances to fire up his supporter. Now, as January 6th approached, the president again wanted to be there on the ground as his supporters marched on the U.S. Capitol. The president's advisors tried to talk him out of it. White House senior advisor Max Miller, quote, shot him down immediately, end quote, because of concerns about the president's safety. Pearson agreed. But President Trump was persistent. Now, I want everyone to pay attention to this, but President Trump was persistent and he floated the idea of having 10,000 National Guardsmen deployed to protect him and his supporters from any supposed threats by left-wing counter-protesters. Miller again rejected the president's idea, saying the National Guard was not necessary for the event. Miller testified there was no further conversation on the matter. After meeting, after the meeting, Miller texted Pearson, quote, just glad we killed the National Guard and a procession. That is, President Trump briefly considered having the National Guard oversee his procession to the U.S. Capitol. The president did not order the National Guard to protect the U.S. Capitol or to secure the joint session proceedings. Although his advisors tried to talk the president out of personally going, they understood that his supporters would be marching. Pearson's agenda for the meeting reflected the president's plan for protesters to go to the U.S. Capitol after the rally. But President Trump did not give up on the idea of personally joining his supporters on their march as discussed further in Chapter 7. So we actually have the notes from Pearson of Trump saying this, but, you know, when people go, oh, orange Mussolini, and they make those connections, what we need to really reflect is that the reason that that whole orange Mussolini thing is that Trump did admire, this is what we at least learn from other, you know, from other sources, he did admire people like Adolf Hitler. He kept, like, Hitler books at his house, Mm -hmm. according to his wife, and his wife's uh, autobiographies, now deceased wife, Mm -hmm. who he buried for in, in the back of his at back of bedminster for tax credits. Uh, like just a c- completely horrific. And he admired Mussolini. So you think about Mussolini's march on Rome. And you think about the circumstances there where 80% of Italians, 80% supported the constitutional monarchy at the time. 80%. 20% supported Mussolini's fascism. Those numbers are eerily, eerily similar. And the procession, you go look at it, you know, don't, don't YouTube it now. I want you to keep yeah, stay
1: here for right now, but YouTube it after.
0: But But watch the march on Rome and what that looked like. This is exactly what Trump wanted to happen on January 6th. His quote unquote stop the steal was his version of March on Rome. When I read that piece of the January 6th report, which had not been talked about all that much, it gave me chills. What about you, Jake?
1: And Ben, that, that's why I give you so much credit for finding this you know, needle in the haystack there because when the January 6th committee released all of these new depositions, there were, I mean, they're, they're still doing it. There's a lot to read, there's a lot of pages. I haven't even seen this story really reported anywhere aside from the Midas Touch podcast and the Midas Touch network, like at all. So I give you credit for finding this. This has to be uh, like, more people need to talk about just how scary and disturbing this is. And when you think about it and you think about when you go back a few months when they said that they were going to get people's you know, phone records, that one day all the Republicans from the Republican Party, again, face Marjorie Taylor Greene, started to freak out about that. That's because of things like this. That's because they were going to uncover things like a procession during the January 6th. People, military, the National Guard taking Trump into the Capitol, 10,000 soldiers on January 6th, just letting him walk in into his own insurrection. It's insane.
0: Think about this too. People like Mark Meadows, right? Trump's former chief of staff. People like Kevin McCarthy. People like Jim Jordan. These are people who have knowledge. Again, remove political party. They have knowledge about a date that will live in infamy. One of the most embarrassing and disturbing days in our history. And not only have they chose to cover it up. But they want to attack the investigators. What Jim Jordan says he wants to use his judiciary committee for is to launch investigations into the January 6th committee members and to attack them. Think about it, Jordy. These people put out a pre-rebuttal to the January 6th committee report, which they called a pre which praised their cult leader, Donald Trump, and right. blamed Black Lives Matter, Nancy Pelosi, and Law Enforcement. Okay. They blamed Capitol police officers. They blamed Metropolitan Police Officers. That is the take that they have. So not only did they not cooperate something that all Americans, setting aside political party, going back to the beginning of this pod, Jordy, insurrection bad. What happened? Republicans can't do it. So you go back to Occam's razor, the simplest explanation. Why is it? Because they don't want a democracy. Because they want to destroy our country. It's not hyperbole. It is the conduct that they are actually engaged in. And you talk about other things from this report, Jordy, and we see also Mark Meadows like desperately wanting to get to the Willard Hotel, leave it to MAGA to completely like ruin a five star beautiful hotel by the White House. <laughs> they make that into their command center for insurrection, where Flynn was there and Roger Stone was there. We've got photos with Roger Stone outside with like Oath Keepers. And, you know, Stone was in there and he was linked with Oath Keepers, Proud Boys terrorist organization, Oath Keepers. The two of their top leaders have already been found guilty of seditious conspiracy. The Proud Boy seditious conspiracy testimony will start in early January. And this is who Mark Meadows desperately wanted to get a hold of. That's what Cassidy Hutchison said. He needed to speak to Roger Stone. Trump wanted to have those communications. It's why Mark Meadows, though, is really in in the purview of special counsel Jack Smith. Like he's really got the bullseye um, from special counsel Jack Smith because all of these messages went to Meadows and Meadows can try to get away from the January 6th committee by stalling and stalling. He's not going to be able to get away from special counsel Jack Smith. I would be shocked if special counsel Jack Smith doesn't already have All of the remaining text messages for Mark Meadows. And I think Mark Meadows is already cooperating with the DOJ because he knows that there is significant criminal exposure. By the way, I think you have a strong case for insurrection as well as seditious conspiracy against Mark Meadows. But in addition to communicating at the Willard Hotel, we also learn about Mark Meadows burning all of these White House records. Um, leading up to the insurrection, leading up to the insurrection. And it was weird because Cassidy Hutchinson in her deposition testimony kind of acts like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's under the the presidential records act. Like we just would burn things. Like, I don't really think so. (laughs) Like, It doesn't sound like there was a lot of burning taking place necessarily before, but all of a sudden there was all this burning. And when people like Scott Perry, the insurrectionist Congress, uh, MAGA extremist from Pennsylvania would show up and he was one of the people who tried to introduce Jeff Clark. Who was the MAGA extremist Mm -hmm. DOJ guy who wanted to become the attorney general to issue a memo to states to overturn the results of their election? All of a sudden, it'd get awfully chilly in the White House and things would start getting burnt. We also know that Devin Nunes would bring in classified records from the intelligence committee. Like Nunes would just have like Republican staffers come to the White House and show classified records. And then also there's reference to Mark Meadows sharing these government records with people in the private sector, and he wanted to make copies of them for people in the private sector. And so this is not just interesting, it's traitorous, but not just interesting from the perspective of the January 6th cases that special counsel Jack Smith is on, but also one of Jack Smith's mandates as well is Trump's theft of the thousands of government records including classified records and their mishandling of that and Meadows is right in the middle of that. I mean Jay, were you ben, as shocked ben, as I was? Ben. I mean
1: shocked? It's it's a hard word to use because nothing shocks me anymore. Disappointed? I mean, nothing really disappoints me anymore either. Frustrated and angry and furious and mad that this could happen at the highest levels of government, absolutely, man. This is in again. Take away the labels. I'm going to pull you here. Take away the labels. If you're on team burning documents in the government, um, I'm just. I'm sorry. I just don't think that's that's the right position to take. Where you should be burning confidential documents. I There's probably a better uh, solution than that to get rid of those things. And then reading the Devin Nunes stuff of him shuttling. Confidential documents into the White House as we were leading up to the January sixth insurrection should scare everybody. I mean that right there is just nefarious behavior. And then going back to exactly your last point, there when we talk about,
0: um, I like not, the nefar- by the way, I like the nefarious is uh, good word, right? I mean, I would go nefarious, but I like nefarious. Ooh, like- I'm pre- I'm like ninety nine percent sure we're going nefarious. You're going nefarious and not nefarious. One
1: thousand percent. You could even do a Twitter poll, and I guarantee I come out on top.
0: A Twitter poll? Okay, okay, we'll see. Okay, but
1: go. But going to the last point too that you just made about showing the documents to people in the private sector. I mean, again, nothing disappoints me anymore. Nothing like like nothing shocks me because of course they were doing this because they're horrible freaking people who are just trying to use their positions to gain themselves wealth their individual income. They don't want to leave. They don't care about the country. They care about themselves at the end of the day. And it should just frustrate and make everyone mad. And this is why you're here. This is why you're listening to us because we're a pro-democracy network because you're pro-democracy because you're sick of, of that. You're sick of the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the Kevin McCarthy's and the Donald Trump's and Devin Nunes's and and everybody in that circle because they're just not normal people. And you're allowed to say that. You're allowed to look at these people and be like, hey, I don't want to hang out with you, not for any other reason than you are a traitor to this country. I don't want to grab a beer with you, not for any other reason that you hate this country and all you care about is using your position of power to just make your life, your individual life better. It's messed up, man.
0: You know what it is, Jay? It's very nefarious. It's very, nefarious, very, very nefarious. i am in the up.
1: comments right now. I'm, I'm spot on. Nefarious, yes. No, you're just pe- pe- no- people.
0: Just people just like you, and they think you're very cute, and they like you. they're very nefarious behavior. Okay, Jordy's right. It's nefarious. It's not nefarious. <laughs> um, OK, so going now to uh, the, the, the federal judge we talked about uh, in the intro, Judge John Bates, by the way, a George W. Bush appointee. We see a federal judge now for the first time because the January 6th report was just released, though, citing the report basically. And, and the evidence in the report is basically saying, look, Trump's statements on the ellipse were not lawful orders. You go into footnote seven, um, and I won't bore you with all the details of footnote seven, but it basically says that, it goes, the report also notes when President Trump's instruction in his speech, for instance, quote, fight like hell, which could signal to protesters that entering the Capitol and stopping the certification would be unlawful. Thus, the conclusions reached here are consistent with what's in the January 6th committee report. So they're pointing out Trump's statements that so so this person, Alexander Shepard, was trying to use this public authority defense to say, I was I believed I was following lawful orders. And so I want to use that at my trial. It was an insurrectionist. He showed up at like 2.15. There's a photo of him. He like <laughs> he, And he like videotaped himself. He's like, let's effing go. He's had a video. Of course he himself. videotaped himself.
1: Of course uh,
0: he did. And he posted on social media. Yep. But he's saying, look, I was following what I believe to be the lawful orders of Donald Trump. So blaming Trump. And the judge said, those, sorry. Sorry, Charlie. Sorry, Charlie. Those are not, <laughs> those are not lawful orders. Um, and citing the January 6th committee report as evidence of that not being a lawful order. He also, this guy, Alexander Shepard, also tried to file a motion to dismiss and a change of venue. He lost all of that. And that case will be going to trial, at least being tried for obstruction trespass and a number of other criminal charges. Alexander Shepard is going to be going to jail for a long, long time. But that was, it was in that context of a public authority defense. And the judge is like, look, I've read this January 6th committee report and sorry, I don't think so at all. You know, it was also very nefarious, very nefarious. Wait, be- be-
1: before you keep dragging me for for nefarious, Um I- This is kind of unprecedented, right? Or not unprecedented, but should we expect to see more of this? I should say, of judges. You, of yeah, yeah, go ahead.
0: Well, I think it is un—it's unprecedented from the standpoint that there had been no precedent yet because the report was just released. The report sets a precedent, and now courts will be citing. The precedent of the January 6th committee report, and then courts will cite other courts as as Judge Bates said, as Judge Sullivan said, as this judge said, as as that judge said. so there will be a lot of this happening. but what it shows me too, it's like a little bit of a test in the waters. like mm-hmm. what is the federal judiciary going to think in 2023 when special counsel and I say when? When special counsel Jack Smith indicts Donald Trump and by and large, other than Judge Eileen Cannon in Florida, and this case will not be filed in Florida, folks, Judge Eileen Cannon should not have asserted jurisdiction. She won't be able to assert jurisdiction here other than like Judge Pittman in Texas. And I could name about three or four other really, really horrible Trump appointees. There's less of bad ones, but um, uh, on a lot of issues. But I'm talking about squarely on the issue of insurrection. As I look to the D.C. judges, and I think about uh, the, the the judge Mehta when I Amit Mehta when I think about Amy Berman Jackson. These are <laughs> these are these are not Trump appointees. But when I think about the Trump appointees like Nichols. Um, When I think about, uh, no one really in D.C. has been sympathetic to insurrection. Now, Judge Carl Nichols made a very bad ruling on whether or not the obstruction charge used by the Department of Justice could be properly used against insurrectionists, which I think is utterly absurd. But Nichols has been overall on other charges. He's allowed them all to proceed. Just on the obstruction, he's like, it has to obstruct the actual document itself. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like In in the obstruction subsection that's relevant, it talks about obstructing an official proceeding. This is an official proceeding. So it seems crystal clear. And then the Department of Justice drew a very bad panel of D.C. Circuit Court of Appeal judges, very Trumpy judges on on that panel. One, I think, Biden judge, two Trump judges, I believe. And so I'm concerned about the obstruction charge because of Trump-appointed judges. But overall, on the other charges, like trespass, obstruction, insurrection, none of the judges in the D.C., circuit. Or the federal court in DC I've been like, oh, we're okay with this uh, behavior the same way I think Judge Eileen Cannon would bend over backwards or do whatever Donald Trump said. So this though is a George W. Bush appointee and Judge Bates. And to me, it shows me that if you draw Judge Bates, if you draw Judge Mehta, if you draw Judge Jackson, trump's not going to have an easy go of it once he's criminally indicted you know one of the things too just so pathetic about donald trump showing just how desperate he is so the january 6 committee withdrew the subpoena to him and they withdrew the subpoena by formal correspondence written by Benny Thompson to uh, trump's private lawyers um and it's they didn't
1: burn the subpoena Ben they didn't just burn it
0: No, they didn't didn't burn it. They sent a letter uh, that was, look, it's a, just, I'm going to read the letter. So you see like what, like how adults should be communicating. Now we may be upset that they're withdrawing the subpoena, but what we should be upset with is the fact that Republicans will be in the house and they don't take the insurrection seriously because they are insurrectionists. So there is no choice by Benny Thompson. The, the, The committee's done. Because of the elections This is what yeah. it is. It's just the reality. So he says, dear Mr. Whatever, in my capacity as chairman of the House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, I issued a subpoena to your client, former president Donald J. Trump, on October 21, 2022, regarding various records and deposition testimony, as you may know the Select Committee has concluded its hearings, released its final report, and will very soon reach its end. In light of the imminent end of our investigation, the Select Committee can no longer pursue the specific information covered by this subpoena. Therefore, through this letter, I hereby formally withdraw the subpoena issued to former President Trump and notify you that he is no longer obligated to comply or produce records in response to said subpoena. We appreciate your engagement with the Select Committee on this matter. Signed, Benny G. Thompson, Chairman. And then so Donald Trump's response to that immediately is, was just advised that the unselect committee of political thugs has withdrawn the subpoena of me concerning January 6th protest of the crooked, all in caps, 2020 presidential election. They probably did so because they knew I did nothing wrong. Or they were about to lose in court. Perhaps the FBI's involvement in, in all caps rigging the election played into their decision. In any event, the subpoena is dead. I just put it, again, going back to the theme. Remove the political parties for a second. And let's just talk about normal adult discourse. We have on the one hand, Benny Thompson just stating what the facts are. We've issued our final report. Therefore, our work is necessarily done. We have no authority anymore in this matter. So therefore, we respectfully withdraw the subpoena. There's nothing else that it could do. It's issued its final report. Mind you, in the final report, it provided for Referrals for separate charges that they are referring to the Department of Justice from obstruction to insurrection to two conspiracy counts that would put Donald Trump in jail for the rest of his life. But Donald Trump's responses. To one name call, unselect committee. Every time I hear unselect committee, and the no dominant. offense, to, the yeah, no offense is, to like petulant third graders, but it's like <laughs> unselect, you call the unselect committee. Then you call them of political thugs. And he uses the word thugs intentionally there. Um, has withdrawn the subpoena concerning, that goes, the crooked 2020 presidential election. He puts it in caps. Spreading the conspiracy again that the 2020 election was rigged, as he likes to say, which absolutely is not the case. He filed over 70 lawsuits, lost. His own head of the Department of Justice, Bill Barr, said that what Trump was saying was, quote, batshit crazy. His own lawyers in the White House who said, other than the team crazy people like Sidney Powell and Giuliani and the pillow guy and people like that who perpetrated the conspiracy theories that I talked about earlier about secret CIA bunker satellites beaming Hugo Chavez algorithm Chinese bamboo and all of these lies and frankly defaming people as well and they're in lots of lawsuits and in big trouble in 2023. I should mention that as well. Lots of defamation lawsuits going to trial in 2023. We've got the Dominion case against Fox, April of 2023. We've got the New York AG trial against Trump, not for defamation, but for civil fraud is going to trial in October. We've got the defamation case of E. Jean Carroll against Trump. Wow. But also April as well. So lots of defamation cases as well. But all of Trump's lawyers who go, that's team crazy, who defamed everybody and spread these ridiculous conspiracy theories. They all said, no, we we lost. He lost. It was a free and fair election, but here he is continuing to spread it. And then he says that acts like he like won something. It's like no, you were too cow. Okay, by the way, then he goes the FBI's involvement in rigging the election. But your FBI, you you appointed the FBI director. Now he goes the FBI director. He appointed as a Democrat or a rhino because they got be to be a rhino, Ben.
1: Got to be a rhino. Got to
0: be a rhino. But just think about the language here. Spreading. These vile and hateful and dangerous conspiracy theories here to his base. And, and all of this again has been, you know, completely and, and utterly rebutted. But this is what he thinks is a win. That he was so cowardly. By the way, you remember Alina Haba went on TV and she goes, No, he's gonna show up. He's got nothing to hide. We're like, okay, he absolutely has everything to hide. <laughs> Heck, when the New York Attorney General Subpoenaed him for deposition in the special proceeding before filing the civil case. Again, put aside political parties. Donald Trump wants to brag. I'm a great businessman. Well, the deposition was on what a great businessman you are or what a fraud you are. And the questions that New York Attorney General Letitia James asked Donald Trump were what's the value of Trump Tower? What's the value of Bedminster? What's the value of Mar-a-Lago? What was the appraised value? Can you explain the difference between the valuation you provided on your statement of financial conditions and the appraised value? The most basic questions. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. You know who also pleads the fifth? In addition to, as Donald Trump said, the mob pleads the fifth, the mafia pleads the fifth. And yeah, speaking of the mob and mafia, you've got Roger Stone pleads the fifth when he says, do you believe that fascist coups should take place in our democracy? Roger Stone, I I must respectfully invoke my Fifth Amendment rights against self-incrimination. So what Trump is bragging about is that he was so cowardly even though his own lawyer said that he was going to show up because he had nothing to hide, filed a lawsuit to try to undermine the work of a committee seeking to find out what was the cause of the insurrection and how can we stop insurrections from happening in the future. That's what Donald Trump's legacy is, one of being a complete and utter traitor. And he celebrates that. And again, you go back to it all, Jay, Occam's razor. Why would he be celebrating? Because he hates our country. Mm-hmm. He is a traitor. He is a fascist. And that's why he celebrates. He celebrates He celebrates negativity. He celebrates when things go wrong. Let's call it like it is. And let's also just look at the simplest explanation and let's not mince words. We will never mince words on the Midas Touch Network. Jordy, your thoughts?
1: We did pretty well in this episode. B. That's, those are my thoughts right there. I think we knocked it out of the park here without Brett. Well, here about taking the show on a two-man road, huh? Well, we thoughts? need. Well, I, I look forward. Okay. I'm just kidding. I was trying to get you in a trap. I was trying to get you in trouble, but I couldn't do it, for I know Brett is probably yeah. watching this right now and getting very mad. That, that was very nefarious that.
0: of you. Joy. Oh, we're bringing that, that back. Okay. Nef- that was very okay. nefarious, but 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 here's what's not nefarious, and I want to speak to all the Midas Mighty watching out there. Um, we are 100 independent. We are not funded by any outside investors at all. I want you to think about that. We compete with all of the large media networks, the fascist media echo chamber that exists as well, who have billions of dollars in funding. We we don't. We are 100% independent, 100% accountable to the people. And the way we do that is through our Patreon. So we have patreon.com slash Midas Touch. P a t r e o n dot com slash Midas Touch. We have lots of exclusive content that you can only get on our Patreon site. But most importantly, you'll, you'll love the exclusive content. By the way, we got exclusive podcasts, exclusive behind-the-scenes footage. We in, people contact us and we interact with people on there Q and A's. Q and A's you get there's some of the membership tiers. You get these postcards from us. There's even a membership tier where you could become an honorary producer of the show and Ooh. your name appears at the end of the show where you could become an honorary producer. So there's lots of great content there, but most importantly, help grow this independent platform together we this is a we're in this together right this is not just a network this is an unapologetically pro democracy community Facts. Facts. so let's grow this together you are a stakeholder in this that doesn't exist with media networks their stakeholders are agenda driven billionaires and deca millionaires our stakeholders are you, the people, the unapologetically pro-democracy community. So if you can, check it out, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. And also check out store.mitistouch.com for the best unapologetically pro-democracy gear out there. Gear up at store.midastouch.com we've got the convict or convict 45 shirts we got the person woman camera prison shirt <laughs> and we've got so maga tears maga tears maga tears, maga tears in my I, there's some people who are like i don't want maga on my mug i don't want the word maga, but i want to drink maga tears i <laughs> want it every morning every single morning and I, I i like it so also make sure you subscribe Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's It's so easy. Wait, let me me
1: make this pitch. I'm going to make this pitch. Guys, it is 1,000% free. All you have to do right now is take your mouse or or your finger and just scoot it over a little bit and hit that subscribe button. You hit that subscribe button right now. We help grow this pro-democracy community right here. It's the easiest thing. You could do it. I know you can. I believe in you. Just hit that subscribe button right now. Thank you.
0: And if you watch on YouTube, do me a favor. If you can, do it at the end of, of the show. Go after you subscribe, of course. Wherever you get audio podcasts, please subscribe to the Midas Touch audio podcast and play it a little bit. It helps with the algorithm there. It helps keep it in the top. Like, oh, if you added up our YouTube numbers plus the podcast numbers, Ooh. there's probably more views than most cable network programs out there. Um, we have lots of YouTube viewers and lots of podcasts, but Again, if you're a podcast listener, not a viewer, a listener. If you're a podcast listener, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Help grow that platform. If you're a YouTube viewer, help grow the podcast platform so we can keep growing both. We're on our way to 1 million subscribers on YouTube. Thanks to your support. We just passed 800,000 subs. I am so (laughs) grateful for everybody here. And because this is going to be the last live that we do from the Midas Touch podcast before 2023, I want to wish you all a happy, happy new year. From the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of everybody who works day and night tirelessly at the Midas Touch Network, I mean this when I say none of this is possible without you. You motivate us each and every day to wake up early, to work our tails off, and to make sure that we are delivering the best unapologetically pro-democracy content out there. When people ask, well, what's the secret? Like, how do you do it? The secret is the Midas Mighty. The secret is you. The secret is the authentic community of people. Who stand behind it, and we stand behind you. That's, that's how media needs to be as we head into 2023 and 2024 and then on. We have lots of great plans for 2023, but what I most look forward to about 2023 is getting to spend more time with the Midas Mighty. So thank you all from the bottom
3: of our heart. And Jordy, I'll let you take it away.
1: Shout out to the Midas Mighty!